Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James. <laughs> Sorry, that was my imitation of tapping a guitar. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, is this a Bill and Ted episode? <laughs> <laughs> Party on! <laughs> uh, be excellent to each other. Aim for the cat, evil Dave. <laughs> anyway. It was funny, uh, though. Do, do, do you even know what episode we're doing tonight? I don't have the slightest idea. <laughs> well, I thought I'd keep it in order in case, you know, because <laughs> for listeners, I sent Jody a list of the episodes I would like to do and sort of even in order because I've had some notes for things. Some of them I've had for almost a year and I thought, you know what? Now I'm just going to go in order. I'll give him the list. He can research them or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think we know where we're at with that. <laughs> Well, my assumption would always be to go with, you don't even know what the hell I'm going to do, let alone research. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes that makes it more interesting. Sometimes it does. And then those times you do research it, you'll be all like, ha, I have stuff. And I'll be like, fuck. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, turned my episode into three. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So tonight is... A brief history of two-handed guitar tapping, hence my intro. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With, of course, a heavy feature of EVH. EVH being? I mean, I know what it is. Edward Von Ludwig. Wait, sorry. Eddie Van Halen. (laughs) Von Ludwig Halen. Wait, what? (laughs) Actually... When we get to Van Halen episodes, there are some cool name things that kind of go with that, but that's that would be a tangent. Oh, 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 tangent, tangent. Uh, but we only drink if we do a tangent, right? All right, I, I'm sure, yeah. However, because there are multiple names in here, I'm going to be mispronouncing. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well go ahead and take a drink. <laughs> I'm just going to take a quick drink for that now. And I, by the way, I'm finally having this being mid-January. <laughs> uh-huh. Sam Adams Holiday Porter from the Winter Pack. Oh, nice. I think I've got one bottle of something from the Winter Pack. Uh, no, I have to take that back. I have I should have three bottles from the Winter Pack, but two of them are Boston Lager and I'm waiting to make chili. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I've got both Boston Lager. I think I've only had one of each. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to take a drink of my multi roasty deep mellow porter and you're 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 not drinking tonight right i'm having water that's okay me too actually had water for dinner in my drier january i thought i can substitute cokes but actually for dinner i just wanted some water and i'm on my like third bottle or bottle uh glass tonight nice weird it's weird for me Um, I'm, I am trying to make a conscious effort to drink a little more water. So rabbit hole fiasco. Uh, <laughs> Are you ready to start? Yes. Yes, I am. All right. So a brief history of two handed guitar tapping featuring, of course, Eddie Van Halen. Yes. Because a lot of people are like Eddie invented tapping. No, and no. Eddie popularized tapping and quite possibly is the one to have mastered the current use of it before everybody else, possibly. Possibly. And, and, and at the end of it, we'll have a little bit, bit of freeform on that. But first, the notes. A flat. Well, that's better than D flat. 
Oh, what is it? Um, I know this is a tangent, so I have to have a drink. But Middle Ages, medieval times, whenever the they they did some research and they discovered that D minor was the saddest of all keys, which <laughs> back then they actually did things half a step different. So if you transpose it to now, that would be D flat minor. So Nigel Tufnell actually was right in Spinal Tap. <laughs> I don't know if they're just making that up or if the guys actually knew about that. Ah, bastards. Okay, so, ooh, speaking of old-timey music. Yeah. Tapping has existed in some for another for centuries, such as one of our people we love because supposedly he sold his soul to the devil for his talent, Niccolo Paganini. Yeah. Born 1782, passed away 1840. And every time I give the dates of birth and death, I always feel like I'm going to do the Monty Python, Oliver <laughs> Cromwell thing. So, that's <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't thinking of that until you said it. Yeah, I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but he used similar techniques on the violin, where he'd strike the string with the bouncing bow, articulated by left hand pizzicato, and and I think we'll do an episode. So I've got some notes for musical structures and things, but I'm happy to move on from there. But he actually considered himself a better guitarist than a violinist. So could have been doing some of this on violin. And in fact, he wrote several compositions for guitar, most famously the Grand Sonata for Violin and Guitar. I, that, that, that's funny that he considered himself better on, on the guitar because that's, I knew he played guitar and that he had composed some stuff for guitar, but he's typically thought of as a violinist. Yeah, well, when you hear stories about him, it's always, he sold the soul of the devil for fame and all the women love to go watch him play the violin. And, you know, once that story starts, that always just sticks with the same thing. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Some musicologists think that he wrote his 37 violin sonatas on guitar and then transcribed them for the violin. Interesting. In fact, he's well known to frequent taverns. Another reason to like him. <laughs> Another reason people thought he was evil. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's probably uh, some people think that he was exposed during these times when he go out drinking to uh, gypsy guitar techniques or as we would call him now Romani. Yeah, um, but uh, but yeah, he preferred playing his guitar for tavern customers instead of a concert hall audiences. And, yeah, so he was a bit of a bard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he was. <laughs> but yeah, uh, tapping techniques and solos were on various stringed acoustic instruments. And were documented in film, records, performances throughout the early 20th century. A wonderful example of that is Roy Smeck. He used a tapping style on the ukulele in the 1932 film Clubhouse Party. And if you just do a Google search for Roy Smeck ukulele, it's usually the first video to pop up. It's, it's black and white. And, and he, he's just playing the ukulele. He's kicking ass. He's got this wince, half winsome, half smirk look. And he's... Uh, even without the tapping part is playing on I, I you wouldn't think a ukulele is that cool but it kicks ass oh ukulele can yeah 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 if you go watch his video I, then when he gets to the tapping it's just awesome cool it is sweet i, I thought oh, it was, i thought it was smack yeah yeah roy sweet boy smack <laughs> no 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 it's <laughs> he is winsome though <laughs> i could see that totally being his nickname <laughs> 
moving on to the next item on the list. <laughs> and by the way, uh, I have some of these I did, I don't usually pull from Wikipedia, but a fair bit of these first ones are from Wikipedia because everything else I researched, like a dozen different between websites and articles and books and things. And this was actually pretty good. So, but I, I did find more. I would use this as a basis. So I did add things. Ah. Uh, Harry Delmarne developed a two-handed method as a way of demonstrating the sensitivity of his pickups as he was an electric pickup designer. Ah. Yeah, and his friend, Jimmy Webster, who was a designer and demonstrator for Gretsch Guitars, would make recordings in the 50s using Dermon's technique, which he described in the instructional book Touch Method for Electric and Amplified Spanish Guitar, published in 1952. Cool. So you can actually find method, teaching methods on how to do tapping from the 50s. Cool. Yes. And then moving on to Vittorio Conradisi, who was an Italian musician and physician. Hmm. He developed his own two-handed tapping technique in the early 1960s and demonstrated it in a 1965 Italian television show. And I checked that out. It too is phenomenal. He is quick as crap on the classical guitar, you know, the, the nylon stringed. Acoustics. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you listen, if you search for that, uh, it's really good. Just put in his name and uh, tapping or something. and It'll come up pretty easy. You, you can hear bits of Eddie's Spanish fly because Eddie's using a, an acoustic classical guitar in that. Cool. Yeah. You know, Eddie didn't steal it. It just, they sound similar because of the technique and the guitar. And it's, it's, it's really good. I think Eddie's is flashier and, and more fluent. That, that was Eddie. <laughs> that was Eddie. And when we actually do some true Van Halen episodes, you'll, you'll see where Eddie and Alex got their musical chops. from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, tapping was occasionally employed by a ton of jazz guitarists in the 50s and 60s. going to give a, a few examples here, such as mm -hmm. Arnie Kessel, who's an early supporter of Emmett Chapman. And I'm only mentioning this because Emmett Chapman, <laughs> and, and somebody actually gave a date of August 69. I, you know, when you give a date, when you develop a new way of doing something, I think that is when they showed it to people possibly because you know they just didn't sit down august 1st and go hey check this out and become fucking perfect fluent at it by august 31st yeah so i'm gonna call bullshit on developed it this time probably showed but anyway chapman developed a new way to do two-handed tapping with both hands and they're both kind of held perpendicular to the neck from opposite sides it's almost like playing the piano from the different sides of the keys with each hand it, it, but if you look up a picture, it's it's interesting. What's cool is he created a nine-string guitar to play in such a manner called the Chapman Stick. Huh. And if you look up videos of this, that is wicked awesome, too. <laughs> so were, were some of the strings doubled up, like on a 12-string, or were they... No, it's a nine-string. That's a wide neck. <laughs> oh, and that's probably why he had to use his hands on both sides and play it yeah. almost like a dulcimer piano thing. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. He had a ton of musical instrumental patents. And I say this because this goes with our nerdery. Yes. He created the instrument that Patrick Stewart used in the 1984 movie Dune. Cool. Yeah. Uh, in the, the books and movie, it's called a Balisset. But yeah, he created that. And they did use one of his songs chapman songs as one of the musical bits for the movie too 
awesome. It's been a long time since I've seen that, so I don't remember that scene, but that is really cool. I, I vaguely remember the scene. In fact, I think I actually remember the scene as much from memes showing Patrick Stewart playing a, this instrument. <laughs> yeah, I will say that's, that's the other thing. I, I keep forgetting that Patrick Stewart was in the movie. And then when I'm reminded, I'm like, oh, yeah, he played that character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I remember uh, Tom McLaughlin, of course, with the main character. And yeah, and Sting is in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in his little tiny bikini thing. Ugh. okay that's, I, I was blocking that image until you brought it back up you're welcome bastard yeah. <laughs> but i'm going to continue okay. the tapping technique began to be taken up by rock and blues guitarists in the late 1960s uh-huh one of the earliest such players was canned heat guitarist harvey mundell or mandel i actually guess i don't know i'm going to say mandel and Richie Blackmore, who we've discussed frequently in this podcast, <laughs> yep, he claims to have seen the tapping on stage by Harvey as early as 1968 at the Whiskey A Go Go. Yeah, I can believe it. Uh, and George Lynch, who you may know from all sorts of hair band, you know, Dokken, of course, Dokken, and Lynch yeah, Mob. Yeah, Dokken, yeah, I say Dokken mostly, but uh, yeah, also Lynch Mob. And that's Lynch Mob, not the Lynch Mob, which is a rap group. It, I would run into that occasionally at used cd stores <laughs> like, uh, i'm like that's not the same band you dumb shit <laughs> i'm not saying it's bad i just don't know because it's in the wrong section <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, but yeah uh, so george lynch has corroborated this mentioning that both he and eddie van halen saw mandel employ a neoclassic tapping thing at the starwood in west hollywood during the 1970s okay and another early example of the teching the taking taking tap neat yes Fuck. fucking spoonerisms <laughs> <laughs> of the tapping technique can be heard in terry kath's free form guitar from chicago's debut album in 1969 hmm. do not listen to this i don't know why this is in there but i'm putting it in there for completeness it is hard to get much of the technique you do hear it tapping but it's a huge, long-ass, heavy, distorted feedback thing that sounds like he, the amplifiers are tripping out. It is not a good way to learn tapping. Hmm. It's, it's a very mucky noise. With I mean, he's a good guitarist. I've heard other things by Terry. He's good. Yeah, yeah. well, he was in Chicago. I mean, that's... Yeah, it's just this song is not a great way to learn tapping. I mean, if, if you want to check out how orally discombobulating it is go for it but yeah muck 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 <laughs> it's almost like the three stooges but not <laughs> uh, randy resnick of the band pure food and drug act which at one time also featured mandel used two-handed tapping techniques extensively in his performances and recordings between 1969 and 1974 this one's good uh so okay. randy is, is slow if you if you look him up it's very slow but it's very good very nice tone i mean it's still not up to what it's going to be because it's more of a addition rather than a big main piece of it yeah but but it's good cool and if you read certain things you'll see that steve hackett of genesis you know the early genesis mm -hmm. claims to be the inventor of tapping as early as 1971 this <laughs> quote is I'm the inventor of tapping on record. 
We haven't found anyone who tapped earlier than me, unless someone did it in the 1930s, but I doubt it. <laughs> I love it when people say stuff like that. Yeah, suck it, Steve. You might be a wonderful musician, and I love Genesis's earliest stuff. We, we talked about the early stuff in our folk episodes. Yeah. But, asshole, <laughs> you were not the inventor of tapping. <laughs> Uh, but in the mid-1970s, 200 tapping started to break into the mid, midstream, the mainstream, when Frank <laughs> Zappa started incorporating it into his songs and performing them to large TV audiences. You know, I'm not surprised about that. <laughs> no, I, I know you like some Zappa. I, I do. I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but I, you know, I, you got to remember, this is the guy who went on TV in the 60s and was literally playing bicycle spokes. <laughs> and making music on bicycle. Yeah, good. It's actual music. Yeah. 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 That doesn't surprise me at all that Zappa was doing it. <laughs> Ooh, bicycle spokes. How avant garde, Duchess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I, I should point out that Zappa tapped with the edge of the pick, not the fingertip. So, uh, so well, that's a different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sounds wicked cool. It actually sounds really neat because you get that little extra, you know, because the plectrum is is a uh, plastic instead of a fleshy finger, so it gives it a yeah. more metallic cling off the strings. It sounds neat as hell. Cool. I'll and have to. He, I'll check that one out because, well, I mean, you know, should probably check them all out, but I won't have time. <laughs> yeah, so some more than others. Check this one out. Yeah. He called it the, by the way, the Bulgarian bagpipe technique. <laughs> why not <laughs> yeah that also makes sense <laughs> and then our next oh fuck i sent you and rob a picture of bob barker i almost went and the next item up for bed <laughs> <laughs> I, I, by the way i like that picture of bob barker that was funny <laughs> yeah. uh, he looks like bilbo <laughs> being mad yeah but the next person in our list is eddie van halen who popularized the two-handed tapping technique in the late 1970s mm -hmm. and although we'll get to some notes here about who may be influenced who and who and who i'm going to start with an actual quote from eddie because the next sections are going to be on eddie but they're quotes from other people uh-huh eddie says his inspiration came from jimmy page yes i think i got the idea of tapping watching page do his heartbreaker solo back in 1971 he was doing a pull-off to an open string and i thought I can do that, but what if I use my finger as the nut and move it around? Yeah. I've, I've heard that story for years, too, so. Well, it's a quote, so. Yeah. Know, not even yeah. A, so it is a story also, but yeah. It's well, not like I, that, that's, that's what I meant. I, the, the quote of Eddie telling that story is what I've heard for years. <laughs> but now, now we're going to get into Eddie. Yay. <laughs> and I almost started singing Eddie from Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> no, he was a no good kid. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so these notes do not come from Wikipedia. I, I guess a few might, but most of these come from my three Van Halen biography books I have. Uh, two Van Halen and a David Lee Roth. Uh -huh. uh, interviews I researched. My shit ton of guitar for the practicing musician and guitar and then every like all those magazines i've kept from the 1980s and 90s oh, <laughs> yeah i'm there well they may be i'm making these notes i'm taking what i need for the bands i like and i'm probably getting rid of them so they're so torn up and i'm not going to use them for the learning the tab 
Yeah, I know. So, yeah. Anyway. Okay, so one of Eddie's closest friends before the first album was released was Terry Kilgore. And at the time, they were in separate bands, but they would still go to each other's practices, practice together, and meet each other up to, to work on things and just help each other get better to such a point that some people couldn't tell them apart when they played. Hmm. And then Chris Holmes, who would later play in Wasp. Wasp. Yes. Oh, he was taking guitar lessons from Kilgore. Holmes was also earning money for the lessons with a summer job by painting houses. One such house was Harvey Mendel's, who we mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah Holmes was uh, painting the house, and we, when he'd see inside the windows, he would see a lot of gold records lining the walls. So he asked Kilgore, that Eddie's friend, who mm-hmm. this person was, and Kilgore was ecstatic because he actually knew Mandel. Cool. Yep. So through this connection, Kilgore took some lessons from Mandel. Mandel, a little more background, already became uh, was already a well-known blues man in Chicago, and then joined Canned Heat, mm-hmm. uh, performing with them at Woodstock, and and he was also a member of John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. Cool. At, at one point, yeah, we'll maybe get to them when we do some Yardbirds, Clapton stuff. Yeah, maybe. Uh, he'd, he'd done solo albums, but Mandel had learned two-handed tapping technique when he was in the band. You're going to love this name. The Pure Food and Drug Act. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yep. Yeah, he's in this band in 1972. Oh, 50 years ago. Woo. Yeah. And he, and he learned this technique from a bandmate named Randy. Want to guess the last name? Uh, Resnick. Resnick. We mentioned yeah. About. yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, but not Randy Rhodes. No. Not yet. <laughs> we'll get there. Soon, in fact, for a bit of this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure we'll actually talk about Randy on his own too. Oh, yes. But I will say, if you go back and listen to Mandel's 1973 solo album, specifically the, the title track, uh, Shangrenade, Shangrenade, not sure how it's pronounced, S-H-A-N, Grenade. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's very nice. The tonalities kick ass, the tapping, he does sweeps and runs. It's, it's beautiful. It's awesome. Cool. I mean, it's not... The flashy 80s glam hair, Van Halen, Ozzy, Quiet Riot stuff, but it's it's really beautiful. Well, there was no MTV, so you didn't have to be flashy like that. That's true. That, those are the days you could be ugly and be popular. Vandell <laughs> <laughs> taught Kilgore in 1974, probably, maybe 75, because of all these interviews, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to get it down exactly. But Kilgore, who in turn then showed it to Eddie, nice. as, as well as his bandmates and his band sound technician, Kevin Gallagher, who relates that he saw Kilgore teaching Eddie. At first, nobody remembers Eddie doing more than the occasional one or two taps, such as can be found in ZZ Top's Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers. It's from their 1973 Tres Hombres album. Damn, now I gotta go back and listen to that. Kick-Ass. I like the album version, but I found a live version when I was doing these notes. I recommend checking out the live version. It is actually a little more heavy and awesome. Cool. Motorhead did a cover of that. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That's what I was... <laughs> and yeah. And actually, I dig theirs, but I actually like ZZ Tops better. Yeah. Uh, so, Eddie must have worked hard on the technique in 1975 and 1976 because he really didn't start using it in public until the summer of 1977 in its new flashier bigger form 
just a few months before they recorded their debut album. So Eruption uh, wasn't that old by the time they recorded that. No, no, he died. Yeah, that, that was almost, uh, I mean, it was recent, like super, super recent, just before, or I'm trying to remember, I've got notes on that for the Van Halen episode, not here, okay. which is dumb because it's apropos, but yeah, like <laughs> right before they started recording it or even as they were recording, I can't remember. Hmm. You'll, you'll get that in a future episode. <laughs> yeah. He, he must have been thinking about it for a while if he saw Pagey in 71. Well, and I, I mean, that would that would make sense, though, if he if he sees it, then he's he's kind of, you know, messing around with it and other guys, you know, who have learned the technique are showing it to him. OK, so basically, it's not that it wasn't known, but it wasn't well known. And I think Eddie probably thought, I got something that I can do that's that, that nobody else is really doing, you know, and, and, and something that he could build off of. Not that he needed to, because damn, he was good without it. But yeah, but uh, less than six months before the debut album was when the tapping started to really just start flowing through the LA rock scene, and he took to that too, obviously. Mm -hmm. And this was the time where he worked on Eruption, and it was a huge amazement to all of his fellow musicians. Yeah, I mean, because because it was sweeping through. There are other artists doing it to certain degrees. Uh, some examples: Rick Derringer's band Derringer. He and and. Danny Johnson would tap a bit during the Beyond the Universe song, but it's it's a bit. It's not what Eddie was doing. Yeah. And and by the way, voice text. I'm glad I realized I went through these notes before we recorded because instead of Beyond the Universe, it said B like the insect. B on the universe. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck is that? I made some of these notes months ago and had to go. All right, what fucking album was Derringer had the word universe? <laughs> But anyway, as George Lynch mentioned, when he and Eddie went to go see Harvey Mandel, was where everybody went home and 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 stole some of it. But then Eddie also had the teaching from other people, and mm -hmm. and let's not forget Eddie's dad. You know, the Dutch musicianship—that's the European thing. And some of the people I talked about were Italian. Well, true. Um, yeah, and, and so they they were already doing these things on various instruments. So, mm -hmm. so could this be? Also, the time where Randy Rhodes dun, dun, was was introduced to it. I'm going to say probably. I'm going to say probably too because Randy's biographer, who I did not put his name in here, that seems shady of me. But we'll do an, <laughs> we'll do a Randy episode sometime, and that'll that'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they they're all learning it at the same time. But Eddie did get a jump because Randy's biographer said that Eddie made Randy feel like a hack. When he went to a Van Halen show in either 76 or 77, he, uh, he also wrote that Randy started to do flashy things because the kids loved it due to Eddie, even though Randy didn't really like the flash aspect of it. Which tracks with what I know of Randy. Well, it is, but then you see pictures of him when he's in Quiet Riot with that big-ass flashy bow tie and vest and even if he didn't like it he certainly didn't mind leaning into it <laughs> oh yeah no yeah that's that's what i was gonna say i mean that's um uh, well now i'll save that for when we actually do episodes on randy because <laughs> okay, because cool. that could take a while to get through <laughs> <laughs> sounds good so yeah so i mean i love Rand randy is up there in my top five guitarists oh yeah and so Neither of them invented it, but it does sound a bit like Eddie may have beat him to the punch uh, a, a bit on it. But then Randy, yeah. of course, took to it, too. And Randy's training and classical, really, I mean, yeah, we'll get to it with Randy. But his 
style yeah. was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it also did not help that Eddie was prone to keeping his techniques to himself a little bit. He he wasn't really a sharer of things he would work on. I can see that. I can, and I do understand that to a bit, but I've been reading a Jimmy Page, his sort of autobiography thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I've been working on it forever, but I just literally found this paragraph and I would like to share it because I agree with Jimmy's a little bit more than Eddie's. And this comes from when he was meeting and starting to hang out with Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones. Yeah. So he went to go see them at the Ealing Jazz Club and talked about this young guy who could play like Elmore James and stuff and spoke to him after the gig. And I said, well, you've really got it. It sounds so authentic. What are you using? Jimmy says he'd heard that bluesman literally broke up bottles and used the neck. You know, I didn't want to do that because I'd cut my fingers to pieces. Said mm. Brian had this little tubular thing and asked where he got it. He said, do you have a car mechanics near you? Go along and ask them if they've got a bush. I did just that. And lo and behold, they produced this little identical thing. He said, Brian could have sent me on a wild goose chase, but instead he's quite happy to say, yeah, I've come to this conclusion. It's how it's done. And this is how it is. And I don't know why I went into a New York accent there. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know either. (laughs) Yeah. And he says, I always thought of Brian with much affection from that point on. And later things became quite competitive and rock and roll and people didn't want you to know how they had arrived at something. I didn't really have a problem telling people how I arrived at things and Brian clearly didn't either. Yeah. You would have to have asked me if I ever made it as a professional musician and had something nobody else could do. Right. Knowing my personality, I would have been greedy up to the point where somebody said, Jimmy Page would have shown me and I'd have been like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's true. You You would have. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's why I get both sides. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, that's what I have. I mean, we could do a complete and exhaustive list of all the great finger tappers. No, that's okay. But I'm not going <laughs> to. No. Well, I, and the thing is, from that point on, you know, and, and again, not that Eddie actually created it, but it just seemed like everybody, everybody was being called a Van Halen clone because almost overnight, especially in L.A., all those guys started doing it. Yeah. And like we've seen here, they were a lot of them had already been working on it just eddie was better faster and they dropped their album out before other people put an album out with that level of ability yeah we talked about that one of the deep purple uh our buddy rich would call david coverdale uh what was it cover 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 song or cover version or something like that yeah you know saying he, he ripped off robert plant but in reality he was doing the same exact thing back before Robert Plant was ever even considered for Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And he just kept doing it. But Robert Plant became famous bigger, like, you know. Earlier. Earlier earlier than than Coverdale did, yeah. You know, the thing is, um, all these guys, the ones that I'm familiar with, at least, they're all great. Jimmy, Eddie, Randy Rhodes, because I don't know Randy Resnick. Yeah, I don't know. Other than a couple of things I listened to. When yeah, I but it sounds it sounds like it's really good, you know. So yeah, definitely some stuff I I want to check out. I, I don't know that I will, but it's stuff that I, I kind of want to check out now, you know. Um, <laughs> but you, you mentioned George Lynch, and I, George was one of the better guys to come out of that LA scene. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Rich, our friend Rich, loved, yeah. I, he would always be like, oh, I know you like Eddie and stuff, but you check out George Lynch. And I did. I listened. I just was an Eddie fan, and yeah. 
I, and George George was good. I I don't know that I'd say he was Eddie's level, but George was. I mean, he's good. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was one of the reasons Dawkins was such a good band. Yeah. I'll, I'll save the Dawkins stuff for when we actually talk about the LA scene. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, sounds good. All right. Do you have anything else? <laughs> I I do not. I do not. Let's not make this any longer than it needs to be. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed. Share us with your friends, coworkers, people you want to annoy, whatever. Yeah, and your friends, coworkers that you annoy. Uh, that's all of them for me. <laughs> but yep, uh, you can find us on. I mean, we got a Facebook page, we got an Instagram and Twitter account. Uh, you can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, a couple dozen different podcast places. Yeah. Write us, review us, send us beer money. (laughs) (laughs) Send us beer money. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, that should be our new tagline. (laughs) Welcome to the manor. Send us beer money. (laughs) There you go. Anyway, I'm good if you're good. I am am good. I'm also James. (laughs) I'm not. Oh, but but I am Jody. (laughs) Thank baby Loki for one of those anyway. Yeah, we'll talk to y'all later. <laughs> Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. I mean, I still may go get another. I have to decide that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, drier January. Uh-huh. <laughs> Three beers in a day is drier January. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah, okay. Yes. I don't even know what I'm saying now. (laughs) It's been a long week. It's not Uh, quite over. True that. (laughs) Are you quoting Tolkien? (laughs) (laughs) Is that who that was? (laughs) Be careful, Frodo, my lad. When you walk out the door, you never know where you're going to end up. True that, Bilbo. (laughs) Oh, no, I can't do that. That was horrible. (laughs) Oh, that gave myself a migraine. Ever, ever do that again oh no 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 <laughs> which is why i'm doing drier january <laughs> i guess that's better than doing drier sheets i tried that once <laughs> my pubes got all electrified <laughs> so when i rubbed one out i didn't realize it was good <laughs> oh my that's more nice you want to impress me? Go play Fender. What is a Fender, senor? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I have this note in here. It doesn't really belong here, but I said it was also late 1977 when he created his first Frankenstrat with uh, the, this was the white with black electric tape crisscrosses. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I was going to say that the Tremillo bar just sort of became a thing and Eddie took to it too and started to maze other guitarists in the area. So, yeah. But yeah, but it is. Uh, there we go. Okay, uh, but but George, uh, <clears throat> that part's coming out. Nothing like a guitar tapping Eddie Van Halen episode where we start talking about how great Jimmy Page is. <laughs> <laughs>